Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show is made possible by a generous grant that we receive so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. I am so happy today to have my friend Paula Bartholomus and Tyler Bell, her son. Am I supposed to say he's your son? He's a board member. Hey. <laughs> Board member, dad, a business owner. <laughs> um, but they're both with Idaho Cobbs, or Idaho Community Outreach Behavioral Services, who are known for their statewide anti-human -traf trafficking services. Joining me today, Paula and Tyler, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well, Sandy, and thank you for allowing us to come back again and talk about what the ministry that we do. That's, you know... Um, we were talking before we, we started recording today about this. This is one of my passions. It's not one. I'm not called to do what you guys do, but human trafficking is one of my passions. And and what you guys do every day, the boots on the ground, is totally invaluable. So thank you both for what you do. So we've talked about human trafficking on this show before, but let's, you know, we always get new listeners. So let's talk a little bit about for anybody who's not familiar with what that term means. What is human trafficking and what role does it have here in our own community? So um, human trafficking is either is both sex and labor trafficking, and we actually primarily work in the sex trafficking arena. And what that is, is when somebody is benefiting from somebody else's sexual behaviors and sexual activities. And it can be monetary, it can be food, it can be housing, it can be a variety of different things. Any number of things. That's, you know, that's great. And how prevalent is it here? It's extremely prevalent here. Uh, Polaris Project actually posted some statistics across the country, um, and their statistics show that it's one in four females will actually be sexually exploited by the time they turn 18 years old, at least one time. And for males, it's one out of every six will be uh, sexually exploited at least one time by the time they turn 18 years old. So uh, there's statistics for that that are hard data. Uh, they actually believe that it is a little bit more prevalent than that. They just don't have the numbers to prove that. So if you do that number here in the Treasure Valley, I mean, we're close to 800,000 now here within the Treasure Valley. That's a very, very large number. That's a huge number. That's that's sobering. So part of what you guys have done is you have opened, and I and it's probably not the right term. I've I've always just so people kind of understand when I talk about what you do is you know you have what I call halfway houses to help these people that are these women because they're female homes for women that have been rescued from trafficking. What can you tell us about your homes? So um, I'll help you kind of differentiate between the difference of a halfway house and what we have are safe houses. And Idaho is not familiar with what safe houses are. We don't have any um, until now. So what a safe house is, is it is literally a residential place that doesn't exist. Nobody knows. Law enforcement doesn't know. The state, any of the state governments don't know. And it's completely off the radar versus a halfway house um, entities do know, probation and parole know, they're able to visit. But this particular place is a is a safety place. Nobody can go there. It's just a very select number of women who go provide the care for the women. And in within these homes, they're able to get rehabilitation, they get drug treatment, they get trauma care, which they need multiple times a week. They're fed, they're clothed, and they're able to just be safe for the first time in many of their times, first time in their life. Safe and secure. Absolutely safe and secure. 
so earlier this year, we were talking earlier too about this. Earlier this year, you opened your second safe home. Yes, we did. In May, April or May, we opened our second home because the first home is just has been so full. Um, and yeah, and it's full as well. So um, you were sharing with me some of the statistics. How many ladies have you helped? So since November of 2020, when we opened the first one, we are, we're moving actually our 39th female in today. And 39. we have served four children. That's staggering. That's staggering. In less than two years. In less than two years, we have provided safety for 39 women who know that when they come into our home, they won't be bought, they won't be sold, they won't be traded, they won't be used and abused and raped. It is. That is staggering. So, Tyler, let's let's talk about this a little bit from the perspective of a dad, because okay. we as women can identify with this. But a lot of our listeners are men. And, you know, studies have shown we, we don't process the same men and women process differently. So let's talk about this from a male perspective. And, you know. Well, first, I want to piggyback off of the safe house uh, thing with, yes, 39 women today has been a fantastic number to be able to offer services for and provide safety uh, to them that they've never experienced before. Uh, but what wasn't mentioned is the need for more safe houses. We could literally fill five to 10 more houses today and do it easily. Uh, we just don't have the resources to do that. Um, so it is a very, very huge need. It's actually the bottleneck across the country is safe housing. There's just not enough. There's only a handful across the country uh, that we belong to a network where we can relocate women and bring women here that are in need. So yeah, so 39 is fantastic for the two safe houses that we have currently, but there's a huge need for, for many, many more. And unless I have my, <clears throat> my facts crossed, you are the only organization here correct that has housing safe housing yep for traffic victims so mm -hmm. i know when you started this paula you and i had talked a long long time ago that initially when you started really seeing the need there was not even a room anywhere no for, for a rescued victim no to go to there there is actually in some of the shelters they do have designated rooms now however yeah. that becomes pretty risky because our victims and survivors themselves will tell us when they're when they're in that allotted bed then everybody around them knows that they're a victim of trafficking which then makes them more vulnerable yeah yeah so the need is huge yes that's so so thank didn't mean to interrupt you either oh, sorry ask no, you a question good. and then interrupt your answer <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So back to the perspective of dad and, and a male in the community. Um, you're right. Most of the work is being done by females uh, throughout the country and it shouldn't be. I mean, males should have an active role just as big as anyone else that is into trafficking work. Um, I think males should actually step up and be more of a leader across the board, whether that's uh, business, whether that is personal, whether that is getting involved in any way, shape, or form, they need to start stepping up. We are the primary buyers uh, for the sex industry, period. So we are the demand, uh, typically. And that needs to change. And the only way that's going to change is having more males with a positive influence step up and say, enough's enough. We're not going to buy sex. And we're going to make sure that all of our friends, family, so on and so forth are not doing it either. And that's huge. And, and when we say, you know, this, it's a Christian radio station and, and it's a family show, but, but when we talk about buying sex, it's not just physical, it's, it's pornography, it's all different 
there's lots of different avenues of that because those are also people that are being trafficked in a form or not. Yes, that's true. So yeah, porn pornography is a gigantic one gateway and two, it's a secondary way of actually providing trafficking that nobody understands or realizes how that ties together. That when they go out and they see or buy this pornographic video or whatever, there's a lot of the times they, on the other end, have no idea their videos are being sold for profit. Yeah, it's it's a victim mentality mm-hmm. industry. So, so you talked about you were talking Tyler earlier about one in four women, one in six guys. What it, and and. I'm, we didn't talk about this beforehand, so I apologize for that because I never tried to stump anybody. But what what facilities, are there any facilities help do we have for guys in our community that may be being traffic victims? Is there help? Do you have words of wisdom for anyone that might be listening for that? Uh, as of right now here in Idaho, there are none that exist. No, uh, there's, I shoot, I only think there's a couple in the country if if that. Uh, what's tough with the males is they usually typically don't self-identify until they're much, much older. Um, and that point they're usually out of the life to some degree and have other resources that, that help them at that point. So, so through your, through your, your trauma assistance, mm-hmm. you, you are scared, you were set up to help those victims Correct. that way to, yeah. to process yes. through the trauma of that. So, so folks, if you're listening and, and you've had this in your history and you need help. These Paula and, and Tyler can help you with that. They have people that are trained to help you deal with the trauma of, of getting through that part. So what kinds of things? So you have, let's talk because I don't want to forget. We, you know, we can get into the nitty gritty, but I don't want to forget the fun parts too. You guys have a walk coming up. So let's talk about that for just a minute. <clears throat> we do. What What is it called? When is it? So the event that we have coming up is Hike a mile in their shoes. The date is September 10th from 8 a.m. till 3 p.m. And we just invite the community to come down and hike with us, make a pledge. It's a family-friendly event. Uh, it is, starts at the base of Table Rock. And the whole goal is this of this, this fundraising hike is to get the community involved. Come down, hike Table Rock, 1 to 10, to t- as many times as you want. Come down, hike, make a pledge if you want, uh, but just come get involved. Last year, and actually ended up being our largest fundraiser uh, of the year. Um, we had some awesome sponsors last year, and this year we've got some even more incredible sponsors. Uh, so we've got Dillaboss Flooring America, we've got McCain Foods, we've got Hubble Homes, we've got Mecca Gym. Uh, all these guys are stepping up to donate money for or pledge money for every mile hiked, and it's it's incredible. So it's a hot, muggy, smoky day, and that's kind of the point. Is we as a normal everyday citizen, have no idea what these women and men endure on a day-to-day basis. And what is the best way that I could think of to challenge myself is go out on a super hot, muggy, smoky, crappy, hot day and punish myself by hiking Table Rock 10 times back-to-back as quickly as I can. So with that, we wanted to get some more community involvement. And last year we had uh, probably about 100 people show up throughout the day. We did. Maybe 150. Yeah. We had people that didn't even know that it was happening and they just showed up to to hike Table Rock and we're excited. We have a sign there. You know, they take a, a picture with not for sale sign and um, it's amazing. And they're always willing to give and just to be part of our organization that, that they are sometimes not even familiar with. 
what a great educational opportunity as well. I, you know, that's really funny. So I was on the Dillabaz Restores website the other day and saw that oh. that because they just released this year's. Yep. You know, they help five nonprofits every year, and I just saw that. And so, congratulations! And it's, that's a wonderful partnership. Yeah, so, they're pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, they are amazing people. I love how they give back to the community that way. Um, so that is incredible. So, so it's it's hike a mile in their shoes or walk mm-hmm. a mile in their shoes. But you're really wearing your own shoes. You're not asking people yep. to do this yeah. in stilettos or anything. Uh, okay. I was challenged to do that this year, and I, I, I opted out of that. So maybe barefoot, but yep, no no six-inch heels for me. I'll pass. I, I've gotten to a point where I'm out of any of those kind of heels. So, yeah. Me too. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. So... When Paula, last week when you and I were talking on the phone, you were telling me, you know, 39th lady checking in, woman checking in, all of this. And and so my question for you then, and I think that it really bears discussing today, is, you know, I was stunned, first of all. We hadn't talked for a few months, and not because we're not speaking, but just we both are busy and going our different directions. But my question for you was, is human trafficking booming here all of a sudden because 39 in less than two years is huge and then you tell me we can fill another five or ten homes or are the victims just learning about cobs and the work that you do and realizing that you would generally are a safe place for them so what what are what are the answers and you shared with me but share with our listeners yeah. Well, I think it's both. I think it's both. I think the population increase is bringing people from other states in, which, like Tyler had addressed, you know, the buyer the buyer percentage is growing very quickly. Um, and I think we we do a lot of work in the jails and the detention centers, law enforcement, um, police. They call us all the time. I'm actually making contact with two to six new women a week. So because we make contact doesn't mean they're all uh, you know applicable for the house. So we kind of keep those kind of separate there, but. It, the increase, it's happening quickly. There's a lot of women, a lot of people getting to know who we are, a lot of community getting to know who we are. So we're finding connections that way as well. We're contacted all the time with, hey, I have this friend who's got a daughter because Idaho still is very high in familial trafficking. 85% um, is sad. familiar. We're selling our own kids and our own family members. And so I think that that adds to that increase. I think part of that also is the generational thing is people are learning that Oh, not everyone has to do trade this sexual act for to Uncle Kevin to pay the rent or to turn the lights on or to get food. Uh, so a big part of that is education. They're seeing and learning that that's not normal. That's just what they've grown up for their generational trafficking. That is so foreign to me, just that that thought. And I'm sure our listeners are sitting as stunned as I am. And And, and I know, I mean, these are things that I know. But at the same time, it's always such a shock to find out that it's familial, that it's parents, that it's spouses that are that are doing this. You know, when when you first started, because we've we've kind of walked parallel, you know, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of things come into play. When you first started, our law enforcement had no training. It was so new, the education here. And you guys have really partnered with law enforcement and you work hand in hand. I mean, you talk about going into the jails and the prisons, but you really have partnered with them and and have, this has been a huge blessing 
Because at first, so many victims come in on drug charges, and they didn't know to look for the signs. So let's talk about that a little bit. So okay. let's talk about your work with law enforcement. So I teamed up with a detective out of Nampa PD last year, and um, we actually have done multiple block trainings for law enforcement um, departments. We started a task force two years ago, and it's, gosh, I don't even know how many people now, probably over 30 entities. Yes. And so most of them law enforcement. Um, and we we just partner. We do probation and parole trainings. We do jail trainings. And we get in there and teach them what they're looking for. And it's been very, very productive. That's, that's a huge part of it is knowing what to look for. And we've talked about that, too, in the past. Um, but let's talk about that. You know, I, I refer, you know, I refer back to a trip that I took with my son's family and and went into the restroom at a restaurant, and here was a little girl that needed help getting getting her halter top tied. And you know, and and I and I knew quickly that I was helping a traffic victim. So mm-hmm. what do we look for? Because it's not always that obvious, right? But what do we look for, and and how do we help? So I think probably one of the things um, on this family friendly station um, we need to look for is signs. Look, see what's going on on your kids's electronics. See who they're talking to. See who your children are communicating with the adults, because it's usually an adult recruiter. Not always, though. We do have we do have situations mm-hmm. where kids are recruiting each other at school. Um, know what's out of the ordinary with your children, and watch for the kids, the girls that are very um, sexual behavior, different things like that. And what do you do? Reach out, reach out to law enforcement. We have now have so many connections in every single department. So most of the departments now are starting to um, allocate specific people that are working in the trafficking arena. So definitely reach out, 911, non-emergency numbers, contact us, Idaho Cobbs. We'll, we'll be more than happy to come and, and talk. So I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping all around, but I'm watching the clock run down and I don't, I don't, we have so many things we talked about. We should probably have scheduled two shows for this. <laughs> Um, so you have these two halfway houses, they're safe houses, sorry. Oh, you're totally oh, fine. Get me trained, retrained again. <laughs> um, so I know I know from personal experience, because this is something we, we're just passionate about what you guys do, but you have some physical needs. So, you know, everybody know, knows that to, to house this many women, you need, you need finances. But what are some of the physical needs of some of our listeners would like to help? Because I, I always refer to it as like the widow's might. I don't have thousands I can give you, but I might have $10 extra at the grocery store. So what are some of the needs that you guys have? Oh, man, we definitely have needs. Uh, toilet paper. It is absolutely mind-blowing how much toilet paper these women can use at the two safe houses. So toilet paper is huge. Uh, always in need of toilet paper and coffee. And they drink coffee 24-7, nonstop. There's always somebody making a pot of coffee. So uh, those are two huge needs. Uh, Tide pods uh, for laundry is also another, uh, you know, decent size size need. Shoot, what else? Even like $5 gift cards, because a lot of times when we do the rescues, they're hungry and we just drive through a drive-through and grab them a burger or a sandwich or a pop or something because food restriction is one of the number one ways that they are um, coerced into doing the work that they do. And so we, we yeah, the $5 gift cards. I want to kind of um, just add a little bit to Tyler's about the coffee because some people might go, well, maybe there needs to be a limit. However, we're taking these women out of a very rough situation and a lot of them are stopping drugs immediately. And so coffee is just... A, a soft trans, you know, um, 
for them to transfer to. Yeah. It's just a soft handoff there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, my husband has learned over the years, don't talk to her until she's had some coffee. <laughs> yes. It doesn't have to be all coffee, but I better have a, a half a cup. <laughs> I'm a much nicer person with that caffeine. Yes. So I can imagine if you're, yeah. if you're leaving other chemicals that are so um, addictive that coffee is a great. And yeah, you know, it's... I grew up in a drive-in restaurant, Tyler. I it was constant soda all day long, and it was all caffeine based, and I didn't have any trouble sleeping. So, <laughs> so yeah. how do our so what are some of the needs? Because you also are volunteer based. So, what are some of the volunteer needs that you're looking to fill, and how can people reach out to you if they're interested in volunteering or helping or donating? some of these goods to you? Yeah, we are 100% volunteer based. So we get no federal money whatsoever, no grants. Uh, We are all community funded and not a single person in our entire organization makes a dime. We all believe and feel passionately about this cause. So we all donate our own time and money. With that being said, we're always in need of volunteers, whether that is volunteers to help put bags together, volunteers to help in the the drop-in center, volunteers to actually go into the house, although that comes with some major restrictions and some background checks and and further education and trainings, Um, or just volunteers that want to help fundraise and put their own fundraisers on uh, to help, you know, uh, our cause. So lots of ways to get involved. Uh, IdahoCobs.org is the best place to go to catch up on all that stuff. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram as well. Uh, Those are some of our big needs there for for the volunteer aspect. I do want to add really fast to, on to on with that is we have um, a schedule of trafficking 101 trainings that are in the community and our volunteer coordinator uh, Zoe has done amazing with putting that on our webpage as well. So there are certain times if anybody's interested in coming to listen to one of our 101s. I've actually been through your 101 twice and caught stuff different stuff both times but it's well worth the time folks it's Thank well you. worth the time uh, yeah and if anybody is interested in having us come and host a 101 at your business uh talk to your managers talk to your owners whoever it might be and it's all free we just show up and, and do the training and with all the materials and so on and so forth but again it's all free we will come to you so it's a fantastic way to learn uh, what it might look like in your specific industry and and that's and that's so viable I and mean, because it it shows up in industries where you would not necessarily anticipate it showing up. And in different ways. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are yeah. different signs yes. and different ways that it's that they use in, in specific industries. So, yes. So, we're coming down to the last little bit here, but I want to touch, you touched on the drop-in center. So, let's talk about what the drop-in center is and what it looks like. So, what our drop-in center is, is just a place where we keep all of our supplies. So we have people that have donated supplies over the last few years. Um, And it might be bras and underwear because a lot of times women coming out want to get rid of everything that they own in that aspect. Um, We have clothes, we have diapers, we have personal hygiene, we have backpacks, we have food. We just have different things for them to to enjoy. And they don't necessarily have to be residents of the safe houses. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's... What you guys do is phenomenal. And so your website, again, is IdahoCobs.org, C-O-B as in boy, S, IdahoCobs.org. Guys, we're out of time. Thank you both so much for joining me. I'm sorry. I feel like we kind of rushed, but we got a lot of information out there. So I say this every time. Please come back. Absolutely. Please come back. This is, again, something that I'm really passionate about, and I want to help you get your word out. 
We are at the end of our time today, folks. Thank you for joining us. We invite you back next week when we have another special guest joining us, someone who will both encourage you and inspire you. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.